Welcome in to Football and Other F-Words. My name is Zach Lyons. Just fresh off the links. Six under, baby. Hitting off the blue tees, which is like the, uh, it's not the uh, the pros. And then there's the semi-pros. And then there's the blue tees over at the Gaylord Springs. Beautiful golf course. Lots of uh, wild animals. And I uh, saw a bunch of deer. But six under, not a bogey in sight. Just birdies and pars all the way couple of beers with the lads and you know where i also like to get beer when i have to buy it for myself that's a bluegrass beverages mike bluegrass beverages over in hendersonville tennessee they have a sister store called sinkers over in east nashville but bluegrass beverages is our sponsor for this podcast it's gonna be a spicy podcast and we have a little little thing that we like to do like i'll drink to that where we'll talk a little bit more about bluegrass beverages as I butcher all this because I had a few beverages at the golf course. Mike, you write for paulkaharski.com. I write for stackingtheinbox.com. And guess what? They're both subscription sites that are worth the money. Go subscribe to both those websites. You can see Mike Herndon again, once again, pleading, gushing, just like writing love letters to Jackson Smith and Jigba. I have done that as well since the, our podcast last week, and apparently we have started a craze where Titans fans just have to have Jackson Smith and Jigba. Are you proud of yourself for that? Yeah, I am. I am. Uh, I'm all in. Look, I'm all JSN. All JSN. I, I am with you, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that because we're going to talk about our preferred position in each round later on in the show if there are no trades. Um but we're also going to talk about Titans fans that are driving us nuts this week. And I have two specific call outs that I have to do. Um, and also it's something that I talked about with Braden on Monday, but I want to bring it in to get your opinion. Mortgaging the future. And also what's better if the Titans were to trade up, is it better to give future first round draft picks or multiple picks in this draft? We'll discuss about that. But first, as always, Big Jeff takes center stage because he is a massive man and he got paid and we don't know any of the contract details yet and it is driving me nuts and he decided that, hey, I know that I got paid on Friday and it was announced on last Friday and I had all weekend to go sign the fucking contract. But he decided that, hey, I am going to make everybody in the media wait 20 to 30 minutes after the designated time to do the press conference. And it was hilarious because I'm golfing, so I don't fucking give a shit. And it was hilarious. That is like 20 minutes. Oh, well, you know, he just now signed the contract. And I'm thinking you had all freaking weekend to do it. So he's just a constant trolling person. And I love it. Initial thoughts on the extension numbers that you were totally wrong about because you totally said that they were going to be over a hundred million dollars and blah, 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 blah. And oh, uh, I, I just, my, so oh, you know, I missed my so all of $6 million. And that $6 million matters me. for the scoreboard. That's like saying, oh, we only lost by one point. Well, you still fucking lost. And Zach goes 2-0, and oh, and all we're waiting on well, is tear tart. Well, you weren't exactly right on your numbers either. So I was a uh, lot if, if we're saying a miss is a miss, a miss is a miss. If yeah. if it's like Price is Right, I am a lot closer than you were because I've been telling everybody. Uh, now, it's not now, be close matters. now close matters. Now close matters. All right. Now I, I I think the numbers were lower than I expected. Obviously, I I figured he would get a hundred million plus. Um, because That's I why you I, did it on the YouTube show. You can see my motions when when people say that. 
I think he's uh I think he's worth more than what he got paid, frankly. So I, I think he's, you know, settled on on what really to me is a team friendly contract. I mean, that's it's the second highest paid defensive tackle in the game. He beat Deron Payne by a million dollars a year. Quinnen Williams will beat his deal. Uh Dexter Lawrence will probably beat his deal. Do you think they will? A hundred percent Quinnen Williams will. A hundred percent. Zero doubt in my mind. Okay, we're going to put this on the scoreboard. We're going to put this on the scoreboard. This is going to, I'm going to put my undefeated record on the line. You don't think anyone's going to beat Jeffrey Simmons' deal this offseason? Oh, well, here's what I'll say is that I thought. Yeah, well, Chris Wilkins is not. I don't think he's going to get that. Um, I thought that, (laughs) I thought his signing bonus was going to be much higher because I think that that was like a given. I would have thought you you get the signing bonus a lot higher. I think Quinnen Williams and Dexter Lawrence are looking at the Jeffrey Simmons deal and going, what the hell, man? You did not help us out. Now, this could work out in their favor in this sense. Tennessee does not have a state income tax, and I believe New York does, if I'm not mistaken, correct? So that could at least put those guys out in the sense that their numbers are going to look higher but I think their take home is going to be about the same or less because take home. Yeah. I, but, but I think as far as like the APY, basically annual salary per yeah. season, I think Quinnen Williams is 100% going to beat Jeffrey Simmons. And look, they've been in the league the same amount of time. Quinnen Williams has six and a half more sacks than Jeffrey Simmons does. Uh, he has five more tackles. Oh, I can't believe you're saying Quinnen uh, Williams is four, a better player than Jeffrey Simmons. He has twice as many forced fumbles. I'm not wow. saying he's a, he's necessarily a better player, but he's right on the level. And the fact that he's getting paid, you just said a bunch of data that said it was. Well, I mean, I'm I'm not. All things aren't equal. Like stats aren't everything. But I'm saying if I'm Quinnen Williams' agent, I am 100 not signing anything that is lower than Jeffrey Simmons's number. Right? That is the absolute baseline, right? Like but Dexter I'm Lawrence, you're kind of like, okay, well, maybe I shouldn't have said Dexter Lawrence will get more money. Uh, I, I think Dexter like Lawrence could. I think he could get more money, actually. I, I really do. Um, because, I mean, he had seven and a half sacks last year. And, like, I mean, he's just a monster in the run game. So, I, I wouldn't be surprised if both of them do. I absolutely 100% believe Quinn Williams. Were the no Jets just trying to get rid of Quinn and Williams before the season, though? It feels no, like they don't like even really like ago. him. That was like two years ago. And and I think yeah. that was all overblown anyways. Um, Interesting. Because he, he, well, I, I think it was actually actually after his rookie season. Because after that, he really started putting up big numbers. Um, and has been really productive and had a huge season last year with 12 sacks. So I, I think it's he's going to get a bigger deal. Like 100% for sure. Were you more surprised by the overall value, the APY, or the signing bonus? Because to me, the signing bonus is like way, way off. I I thought the signing bonus was like way off. I wasn't necessarily that shocked by the signing bonus just because I feel like what they typically do is set, like, say, a four-year deal, and it was, what, $94 was the total? Yeah. Um, They usually do, like, the signing bonus is basically the replacement for that first year's salary, right? Because that's how they set it up. They do that. The first year is really low salary, and then they, you know, go to the regular uh, salary numbers after that. Um, So I feel like that's about what I expected it to be um, from a signing bonus standpoint. But the total in the, the, you know, per year numbers are a little bit lower. I guess, you know, him signing a four-year deal, I mean, 
he won't be a free agent again until he's 30, right? I mean, um, yeah, he'll get traded before then, though. <laughs> well, possible. Yeah, uh, just like just like they're trying to trade Kevin Pyard. So, oh, right, right. Yeah, it is the Titans' way, but yeah. um, it's uh, I, I mean, to me, it's a good deal for the Titans. It's a no brainer. They had to bring him back. Like we talked about it earlier in the offseason. The one thing. Would, that would have made sense for the Titans to consider not re-signing Jeffrey Simmons. The only way would have been if they were getting a franchise quarterback um, and that they had to put him in the deal. Like, they, they didn't have a choice. Obviously, it'd be better to get your franchise quarterback and have Jeffrey Simmons, but if you had to force me to choose, I would choose the franchise quarterback. Otherwise, this is a great deal. It's one of the best uh, defensive players in the game, regardless of position. Definitely one of the best interior defenders. I mean, once Aaron Donald finally retires, which I mean, wouldn't actually surprise me if that was sooner rather than later because the Rams are going to be god-awful uh, this season. Um, he's It's going to be him and Quinnen Williams and Chris Jones and, you know, that, that group that's kind of right under Donald right now for best defensive tackle in the game. And that's a great piece to have as like a – and Paul Korsky has been using this term, uh, you know, tentpole – kind of guy like you know even if you are rebuilding you still need to have these you know kind of foundational pieces in place and Simmons definitely is one um and we'll talk a little bit more about uh why the the whole but we'll we'll get into another topic off of this later but um this is a guy that you pay like works hard has been a great leader for the team, has been super productive, has fought through injuries to stay on the field. You know, his press conference, he alluded to, you know, basically playing with a pretty bad ankle injury for most of the back half of last season. I think his production showed that. I, I don't think it, that's any news to anybody, but um, it's uh, it, it, he's the kind of guy that you want to pay. Uh, he's still young. He's still only 25, I think. So um, I'm I'm all in on on this deal from a Titan standpoint. Let me ask you a question because uh, Braden brought this up and I think he's absolutely crazy. And I think you're going to agree with me based on tweets, based on your article. He thinks it was, if you had to choose, which we know, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt, you did not have to choose between AJ Brown and Jeffrey Simmons. Okay. We, we, we've talked about it. We've covered it, but John Robinson in his mind, made it an either or option because ego got in the way of his negotiations with AJ Brown on both sides. However, if you had to choose, Braden said with the gun that he would choose the defensive tackle over the wide receiver because the defensive tackle is harder to find. And I said, yeah, that may be true, but the wide receiver is more impactful because Jeffrey Jeffrey Simmons or a defensive tackle can be replaced by multiple parts. The wide receiver has proven to be the more valuable thing when you look at the playoffs all the time. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the wide receiver is the more valuable position. And look, if he if Jeffrey Simmons was, uh, let's say, Miles Garrett, I think maybe you'd have a little bit more of an argument in value there. Um, not to say that defensive tackles aren't as necessarily as valuable as edge rushers or if he is I think can be um no <laughs> i think jeffrey simmons is as good a player as quinnon williams i think they are about equal um but anyway fans are loving you right now by the way they're like oh man this guy thinks that quinnon williams is good as jeffrey simmons i'm all about that i don't think that's a hot take at all i guess that's so? not I think a hot that's take. A little... no 
Okay. I think I think you find a lot of people that believe Quentin Williams is better, honestly. Oh. Um, but anyways, uh, I'm not getting sidetracked by that anymore. Anyways, the uh, <laughs> what was I even talking? Oh, wide receiver. Yeah, wide receiver to me is is such an important part of the offense. I think. And what I wrote for Paul Korski's site uh, this week, I really went into like the numbers of the clear impact that AJ Brown had, uh, and Corey Davis for that matter, and Johnny Smith for that matter on the Titans' offense. And it's very clear, like as those pieces started to erode, the the offensive numbers just cratered. And yes, like there was the Todd Downing thing, and yes, there there was other context around it. Um, but if you go and look at other players uh, on other teams. Good wide receivers come, the quarterback numbers go way up. Like, it just is what has happened. Well, I mean, isn't that what happened with Josh Allen? I mean, it's what happened with Josh Allen. It's what happened with Joe Burrow. It happened with Jalen Hurts. It happened with Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford leaves the Lions and goes to the Rams, and all of a sudden he's, you know, putting up much better numbers and winning a fucking Super Bowl. Um, it, It is very clear how important wide receiver talent is to the team's performance as a whole and the offense specifically, especially nowadays. And you look at the teams that traded for all the wide receivers this past off season, dolphins got a lot better on offense. Um, you know, obviously the, uh, the Eagles got a lot better on offense with AJ Brown. Now you could argue, I guess the Raiders didn't get a lot better, but you know, I, I'm not totally sure how much we should count the Raiders, uh, in all this, but there's so many more examples of, Elite wide receivers being very impactful on the quarterback success, and and that is the most important person to have successful on your team is the quarterback. Um, so I, I to me, wide receiver is such a valuable position. I've never been more convinced of that fact than I am now, and I, I think that's going back to Jackson Smith and Jigba. That's why I'm writing Jackson Smith and Jigba love letters. Is that the Titans need? to surround whoever they're playing at quarterback, whether it be Tannehill, who has proven he can put up a top five scoring offense with good wide receivers around him, or a young quarterback of the future, uh, you know, whether it be from this year's class or next year's class, they need to be surrounded with good weapons uh, to have success. So I am 100% going back to Jackson Smith and Jigba here, but Right. I mean, that's but the, I mean, that's the position, to, though, argument, right? like people were like, well, isn't it better just to trade for a wide receiver? And I'm like, no, that's not what, because there's that graph that PK tweeted out and all that stuff. That's not what it's saying. What it's technically saying is pay your fucking wide receivers, right? Yes. Like, like draft them, develop them, pay them, keep them. And that out of, is and essentially I- what it's saying. And out of those top 10 guys, because that chart you're referencing, it's in the article uh, that I wrote for Paul Karski. So if you haven't seen it, you can go see it there. Um, It basically says there are zero of the top 10 paid wide receivers uh, in the NFL right now were acquired in free agency. All of the the six of them were traded for four of them were drafted outright. Uh, One of the interesting things, actually, is that none of the four that were drafted outright were first round picks. All of them were like second or third round picks, basically. But the six that were traded were all traded for basically a first round pick value or more with the exception of the Andre Hopkins. And that's only because Bill O'Brien is completely incompetent as a general manager. Um, So I think it's very clear. Like if you're going to trade for one, you're going to pay a premium premium price 
because not only do you have to give up a first round pick, but you also have to pay him a $25 million a year contract now. So to me, drafting a wide receiver, there's huge value in being able to find homegrown elite wide receivers that you do not have to give up additional draft picks to go find. Um, and, and you get to control them for the years when they're actually at their best, which are when they're, you know, 23, 24, 25 years old, and they still have all their, uh, their burst and, and everything like that. So go, go draft elite wide receivers, Rand, Rand Carthon, please. I agree. And we'll get to our discussion about drafting wide receivers later. I'd like to, uh, uh, Talk about a little comment that just popped up into the chat. And Mike, if you'll give me a second, is from Hillbilly Bryn, who said, Hey, slap nuts, take your sunglasses off. You look like a Jag- Jaguars fan. Holy shit. And I would like to say to Hillbilly Bryn, go fuck yourself. It is, it is funny that, that's coming, <laughs> that that comment is coming from somebody with a, a profile pic of him wearing glasses inside. Yeah. From what it appears. Speaking of wide receivers and getting and getting your wide receiver room better, the Titans are bringing in for a visit Chris Moore, the second oh, leading, the second leading uh, receiver for the Houston Texans last year. So he was just behind Brendan Cooks in terms of receiving yards, and I I love this love this visit just because it is driving everybody up the fucking wall. It's making everybody insane. And I am so, so glad that they brought him in for a visit and everybody instantly overreacted. Uh, Chris Moore is a 30-year-old wide receiver, if you didn't know. So he check, checks the box off of Mike's list of, I gotta have a veteran in the room. That's you. And- no, hang on, hang on. And, and you know, you know, because I've clarified this in the comments, exactly where I was getting at with that comment. It wasn't that I just needed an old wide receiver in the room. It was... <laughs> that I needed somebody with some skins on the wall that like Traylon Burks would fucking listen to. Uh, and that whoever they draft this year would fucking listen to, they are going to listen to fucking Chris Moore. Like Jack, Traylon Burks is going to be like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, is this uh NWI's twin or what is this? Uh, so like, yeah, I mean, he is the ghost of Nick Westbrook, Akina future, right? I mean, like he's <laughs> Basically. The ghost Christmas future. Um, like all it is, is bringing this guy in. For a visit, by the way. He hasn't been signed. Everybody's acting like he's already signed. And even if he is signed, and I understand everybody's like, well, this is your wide receiver, too, if he's signed. Yeah, if fucking injuries happen again. Like, isn't this all boiled down to basically every Titans analyst, fanalist, media member, fan, just banking on that there's going to be fucking injuries all over again? And maybe that's a good bet to make. But at the end of the day... They sh- if they were going to make a move, they should have made it earlier. Like, at this point, anybody they sign, I'm just like, well, fuck it. Because if they sign Chris Moore, they still need to draft two wide receivers in the, fir- in, in the, uh, in the NFL draft. I'm, I'm not concerned that Chris Moore is going to be here. Do they think that? Eh, probably not. But that's what they should be thinking. Because at the end of the day, Chris Moore is battling it out with Nick Westbrook-Akina in camp, not Traylon Burks and Kyle Phillips and a rookie wide receiver, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't – look, look when, I, when they re-signed Nick Westbrook-Akina, I told people not to freak out because they basically signed him to a veteran minimum deal uh, that right. he could be cut from at the end of camp, and it wouldn't hurt them. Like, it just doesn't matter. And I, th- I would imagine more would be 
signed to a similar deal if he is signed. So I am not going to freak out about it. And mm. it just doesn't, it doesn't matter. I, like it's one of those signings that I feel like I don't, it doesn't really matter if he's on the team or not. I guess it gives them a, a competent. I mean, isn't he just guy. Chris Conley? Uh, yeah, kind of. I mean, he's just a guy that you could like put out there and like, he's gonna, he's not going to embarrass himself. Hey, he won me a, f- a couple of fantasy football games. Uh, well, that's, in, in uh, our... that's a sad state of affairs. It is. A, hey, listen, but I got him when he war. went off for like 120 yards uh, that one game. You know, it's just all about timing, my friend, in fantasy yeah. football. Yeah, I just, you know, I don't think anyone should care about this either way. Like, whatever that's happens. That's how I am. It is like, what it is. Like, okay. he doesn't move the, the needle. Draft, he doesn't move the needle. Was really, let, let's be honest here. We have talked about wanting Jacoby Myers. We have talked about Paris Campbell. We have talked about wanting these guys that signed for other deals, and some of them were modest deals. But at the end of the day, the Titans have to draft wide receivers. They need to develop wide receivers. They need to do what San Francisco does. San Francisco drafts wide receivers and tries to develop them, and that should be the game plan. If they sign Chris Moore, that's great. If Chris Moore and Nick Westbrookine are your starting wide receivers at any point, it's not because they beat out anybody. It's because people dropped like flies ahead of them. Again. Why can't people separate those two and make the distinction in the context? That's because every signing has to be an all pro or it's terrible trash. You know, that's, that's kind of the way it goes. All right. So. Before we get into some our, our other fan comments that are flooding our mentions, I would like to go a little bit positive and do a I'll drink to that. So I'll drink to that is a segment where it could be football, it could be sports, it could be just anything you want. Positive thoughts only and is sponsored by Bluegrass Beverages. Join the in crowd and also listen to a football show. There are still a, a handful of tickets left for the draft show where it's uh all you can eat all you can drink for the first round of the nfl draft i'll be there stoney will be there Braden will be there other people will be there it's going to be fun apparently i'm hosting like a quiz show a q a i'm doing uh private uh readings poetry readings maybe like a few like table reads of tv shows i don't know because Braden just throws all the shit out there all the time. And I'm just like, I guess I'm doing that too. Um, but it's going to be awesome. It's going to be at a private function, huge ass TV. It's going to be a blast. And it, all the proceeds go to a good cause. So join the in crowd, subscribe to a football show, and make sure that you go to a football show on Monday and last Thursday for the link. I asked for the link for Braden to put it in here. But I did not get it. So... Tough shit, I guess. <laughs> but the in crowd is a special um, club that you could join for both bluegrass and sinkers, and they give you all this um, information about future batches, special batches, special edition liquors that you can get. So my, since you went first last week, my I'll drink to that is going to come into the betting world, my friend. And I want to talk about The odds that I saw this morning that just made me so happy, and they are so positive. The Texans are tied with the Colts as the favorite to draft Will Levis at 
plus 250 odds. And Titans are plus 800, which is the fourth team. And this is after Will Levis's the news broke that he was coming to visit. So none of the odds shifted. The Titans are still the fourth team. And I'm all in. So I'll drink to that, that Will Levis has shifted down to the fourth spot. And I want to say real quick that the guy that covers Kentucky for the athletic was on Robbie and Rex Road or the hometown or home. Homer Town Boys, as they're now uh, been dubbed, the Homer Town Boys. <laughs> but there are a few things I want to talk about about Will Levis real quick. I'll drink to that. That, that I am glad that the Titans are not the odds-on favorite. One, he said that he endeared himself to teammates because the way he gave up his body to make plays. Yeah, that's what I want—a guy that's going to get fucking injured again. So I'm out. I'm glad that Will Levis is not is not that guy. Secondly, Will Levis had a tough time because he had four different coordinators throughout his college career. Well, he's about to be on his fifth. So again, I am very glad that this loser is the fourth betting on, and I really hope he's not on this team because I've really hammered it home that I do not want Will Levis on this team, but. I'll drink to that fourth best odds. I'll drink to that. And this, uh, this one says by William Faulkner, my own experience has been that the tools I need for my trade are paper, tobacco, food, and a little whiskey. So I'll drink to that. I'm, uh, I'm not, not doing liquor today. All right. That's on you. All right. So mine, mine is going to be, um, really, Pretty simple and straightforward this time. It's Jeffrey Simmons being a Titan for the next five years. And and the fact that the Titans actually got this done ahead of time, they don't we don't have to go through for us, for us as as pseudo media people, right? Um we don't have to talk about Jeffrey Simmons and his contract situation at the draft, at uh mandatory minicamp, at OTAs at uh training camp we don't have to go through this whole saga and is he gonna show up is he not is he we'd have to do that mother's day dinner father's day dinner my birthday dinner i mean we just there's so many so many events and functions that we are not gonna have to talk about jeffrey simmons contract at and it's a selfish one that that is maybe the the reason i'm most excited about this deal being done is that i don't have to talk about it anymore i don't have any people asking me about it i don't have anybody saying you know going in my dms and saying they have secret news uh, that they can share with me for a fee. Um, I am just excited to be done with it. So I'll drink to that. I'll drink to that. And uh, Stoney Keeley says that he'll drink to the Brady Daniels tape. And we'll talk a little bit. Maybe we'll mention Brady Daniels a little bit later. But that is a, a guy that Titans have shown a little bit of interest in in this pre-draft process. Hey, All man, right. You know now that you got a good earful of me drinking that whiskey. Now, you know What'd who you else say? the Titans have reportedly shown some interest in? Uh, another another player with back injuries, Dalton Kincaid. Apparently, uh, yes. Schefter said oh, that he has, been, uh, he has visited or spent significant time with several teams, including the Titans. Oh, interesting. I'll, I'll have yeah. to put that on the list because as of right now, from my research, we know of, including today adding Cam Smith to the list, 17 of the 30 top uh, 30 visits. So... Pretty good. That's a pretty good uh, list. And I'll be writing about it later this week. I know how much the 49ers have valued or not valued. 
the top 30 visits because I did my research. I went all the way back through 2017, baby. Did my research thanks to 49ers, I think, webzone.com for that because they're the only, uh, apparently the only team site or team, basically fan site covering the team that actually knows how to do these. A little side note here, a little side rant going down this path. If I, when I look for a top 30 list, and Titans Wire does this, Titan Size does this, everybody does this when you do their tracker. I don't want to see pictures, and I don't want to see of everyone that's really big, oh, and I yeah. don't want to see the tweets. Just put them top 30, then put all the names, and just type it out. Like, I don't and, need all this other fucking stuff. And if you want to credit the source, because I do think that's a good idea, just link, it, link it. the Twitter the Twitter link the tweet to the name. And I know I run a Titan site myself, technically stacking the inbox.com and you work for one Paulkarski.com. But I know I will do this probably in future years. It's just like, I'm doing so format much right now. It. I can't do this right. Like this format is ridiculous. Get it, get a grip yourselves. You idiots. All right. Speaking of idiots, these fans drive me nuts, Mike. And one of the fans driving me nuts the most, it comes off the talks of the um, Jeffrey Simmons contract. And we we talked about it a little bit um, on a football show on Monday. But I put out the tweet because you lied to your... Um, you lied to your followers when you were talking about void years on a tweet and said, oh, there'll probably be void years. Well, you can only do five, dumbass. Anyway, any bonus signing restructure option, et cetera, that could be prorated can only be prorated for Mexican fan of five years. Blah, 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 blah. This guy, Nick Vinson, at Nick underscore Vinson, V-I-N-S-O-N. I do respect his avatar because he's like old school blue beast from the X-Men. So I do respect his avatar. But all of a sudden on this particular tweet, because I had other Jeffrey Simmons tweet, he says, what a bunch of idiots. So I go, I send a Jeff go like, who the fuck is the idiot? Like, I don't understand who's the idiot. And he goes to, and so I say, what? And he goes, the contract is horrible for a team in the mess the Titans are offensively. And I go, you don't know any of the cap hits or details outside of the basic stuff. It will actually help 2023 and be a very modest cap hit compared to their salary cap in 2024. It won't prevent anything. So I get in this long argument, and then in the middle of the argument, I like to go see what these what this guy is talking about in the tweets and replies section. And all he has done is badmouth this contract, badmouth the idea of paying your best players in every fucking tweet. It doesn't matter if you're Steffi96 at Fwords Pod, the Titans official Twitter account. It doesn't matter who you are. This guy found your tweet and replied to it. And I, it, I tried to explain to him numerous times, like grab a hold of him and shake him like I'm a British nanny with a baby. That is an old school reference, by the way. Um, I tried to tell him this helps in 2023. This helps in 2024 when the cap hit is or the cap space for the Titans is a hundred million plus minimum currently. It does not prevent them from getting offensive players. Now, do I agree that they could have got better offensive players in free agency? Maybe. Do I feel that they need to do other stuff in the offense in the draft? Yes. This doesn't prevent any of that. It is a it is a currently 
a great contract for the team. It's a team-friendly contract. And this guy just didn't fucking get it, and it drove me nuts. Yeah, it's, it is a team-friendly contract. It's not a bad contract. It's not restricting them in any way, shape, or form. Like, look, th- there's nobody out there for them to spend their money on currently that is realistically available. I mean, if you want, like, I mean, look, I think Lamar Jackson's headed back to the Ravens. I've kind of felt that way the whole time. Um, so I know. Yeah. Let's We're gonna look like aside. fucking genius for that, by the way. Let's let's set that aside for a minute and just say who who are you spending money on? Who are you gonna go spend this money on? Which, yeah. by the way, you would have less money if you didn't sign this extension for Jeffrey Simmons. Like it created cap space for this year, um, and obviously it'll eat into cap space in the next few years. But they, again, like you said, they have over a hundred million dollars of cap room next year. And that's with Simmons's deal in there, or it'll be somewhere around $100 million with Simmons' deal in there. And look, they're going to get rid of some of these other, you know, contracts at some point too. I mean, there are expensive players that will come off the books and everything like that, but they are not going to be handicapped in any way, shape, or form moving forward after this season, because it's going to be a blank slate at quarterback. It's going to be a blank slate at uh, running back. It's going to be basically a blank slate on the offensive line. I mean, there's not going to be anybody on that offensive line that they couldn't release uh, for, you know, cap savings at that point. Um, Nobody at tight end they're paying. The offense is a blank slate because the offense got old very fast. Like, the offense got old. The offense got expensive. The expensive guys are getting cut now. You know, know, Lawan, Saffold, all that stuff. So – that is the reason for the way that they are currently balanced offensively versus defensively. They had a young defense. It's getting better. And those guys are getting paid. They may still pay some more defenders, right? I mean, like they could still, you know, we'll see you on Christian fold. And I would say hey, right now, I'd be surprised if he's back, but if he has why a great not, year, you why, know? why not some, he spends a little bit of money and listen, I'll be honest because of this year, the way that 2023 is built and the way the roster is constructed, why not spend a little bit of money on Frank Clark? Isn't that the better way to find success at this point in free agency is to to sign defensive players? Like, why not sign a little bit of Frank Clark? Get him a little here. Mm, I'm and, not a big Frank Clark guy. I guess I. I mean, I personally, I don't like Frank yeah. Clark, but on the field, he's very good. He, I mean, he is talented. Um, I I I would rather do like a Justin Houston or something like that. Hey, I guess I'm if I was going to go down that route. Um, but there are guys, yeah, there are guys out there that you could sign that would help. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, and look, I mean, there's still offensive players too, like Dalton Reisner is still out there, and there, yep. there's a few others that are but still. The, but the Titans signed Jeffrey Simmons, so they can't afford anybody else. That's what Nick Vincent says, and this whole strategy of paying your best player that are uh, top of their game and elite is the stupidest thing to do ever. And he made sure to tell about 30 people of it. The other guy. That is driving me nuts up the off the wall right now. Is anytime I may bring to light a Will Levis factual tweet. Okay. So it's not even really my tweet. It's even if I bring up the name Will Levis, because today Zach Hicks put up the top quarterbacks on passes of 20 plus air yards. And I already knew Will Levis sucked because I already wrote about it in this particular category. And he was way below average in 2021 as well, where he threw six touchdowns, six interceptions, by the way. So most of his interceptions came all dip, uh, deep yards. And I just said, LOL at Levis. Like, it was pretty fun. McElroy 11 at McElroy. And he, I don't understand how he spells McElroy in the second one. Oh, yeah, yeah. McElroy colon on Twitter. 
is a Kentucky fan who has accused me of having UT bias, by the way, which I am <laughs> not a UT fan, is a Kentucky fan. And uh, he says, average time to throw. Two true freshman wide receivers as his best weapons and context matters once again to these Levis haters. LOL, starting to be coke weird, honestly. I don't know what coke weird is. I guess like cocaine weird or something. I don't know. And I go, he sucked at it last year too, talking about 2021. And at the end of the day, I am tired of people saying that 2022 is everybody else's fault. And then if you bring up 2021, they go back to 2022. He wasn't very good at 2021. This idea, and, and at this point, I have muted both Nick Vincent. I am muting a McElroy Cullen until after the draft because I am sick of people getting in my mentions and just going crazy when it when they're obviously wrong. They're just obviously wrong. I mean, I like I understand some of the interest in Will Levis just from the fact of like he's big strong and you Well know, to be whatever, honest but... with you though, big strong, what did uh JTO Sullivan say on the Mina Kimes podcast this past oh, week? Oh yeah. So he's he too said jacked. that he is too jacked and that is horrible for a quarterback like him. And in fact his number four and Hendon Hooker would be number four on his all quarterback list because I watched the quarter him ranking the quarterback prospects. If Hendon Hooker didn't have the ACL tear, and I definitely agree with all that. Yeah, and look, and I think we've talked about Hooker in recent uh, pods here too, and and I think there's some stuff. But look, if you're a Vols fan and you're wondering why people are not higher on Hendon Hooker. Just go read Ted Wynn's article on the Athletic. Uh, I think he, I think it might have been today that it went. Oh, but he uh, he wrote on on Hooker and why the offense is such. It makes it really hard to project him. And and look, it comes down to like the exact things that we've been talking about. This offense doesn't exist at the NFL level, um, and it most of the time he was locked into one receiver the whole way. Like the, the receiver could go a few different ways and he had to kind of read it out that way, but he was locked into one guy. There was very few like actual progression reads. There was certainly not any like full field progression reads. So like those kind of things, the idea that hooker's going to step in and immediately be an NFL guy to me are ridiculous. Um, setting aside the ACL uh, injury. So I think you're you're looking at a learning curve with him, and he may not ever get there. And I, like I like him, I think he's a great kid. I think he does have a skill set. Um, I will personally be rooting for him to succeed, despite my, uh, uh, I guess, you know, skepticism that he will. Um, oh, you're a Homer Town boy. I am a Homer Town boy. I you know. I, I, I have I I love that Joe Rexford and Robbie uh, Robbie have been. Uh, described as that and it's it's my favorite thing because hearing it live them say that they called the homertown boys yesterday morning on our tuesday morning on the show was just it was it's it's perfect it's fantastic and they should lean into it more <laughs> i like it i like it what has been bothering you in your mentions is there any fans besides the two kind of fans that i've i've covered that is bothering you is it is it the guy that today said that the uh, pass-catching running back is more valuable than a wide receiver? Oh, yeah, that was a good one. I almost, almost forgot about that one. Uh, yeah, he, he, it was in a 
I think it was in a reply about Jackson Smith and Jigba because that's really been all I've been tweeting about lately. <laughs> and uh, he said something about like here it is, here a it list is. of the of the players that you need ahead of them. Okay, okay. This is Lauderdale for M M Lauderdale on Twitter. Uh, receiver is maybe the fifth most important position on this uh, team, and it, and I guess in the NFL, it's left OT. So instead of saying left tackle, he said left offensive tackle, which is great. Uh, Shutdown corners number two, then quarterback game manager. So ne- let let's let's start this off real quick. Elite quarterback is nowhere on the list. So elite quarterback is not on the list. You got to line up your left tackle first, and then you figure out who your quarterback. Well, you got to do your left tackle first, your left offensive tackle first, and then you got to do your shutdown corner, and then you got to find a quarterback game manager, not a qu- elite quarterback, just quarterback game just manager. A, yeah, just a manager. Number four is a ground <laughs> pounding. Running back at number four. That was my and favorite then, run. The, the ground pounding. <laughs> I just think, damn it. <laughs> the guy who gets tackled in the backfield, just like, shit, I can't believe I just, you know, just pounds the ground. A uh, ground pounding running back, or maybe he just has a ground fetish. Uh, number yeah. And number five is then number one receiver tied in, slash tied in. Like number one receiver doesn't even get its own tier. It's number one receiver slash tight end, but move the chains type. It's it's yeah. this is what it says. Number one receiver slash tight end, move the chains type. So not your deep threats, not your guy that is elite at all three levels of the field. You better your number one receiver better be fucking Tajay Sharp out there. That's right. Yeah. Can we just get uh can we get like 10 Frank Wychecks out here? Uh what a Please. ridiculous tweet. <laughs> uh, one of the most ridiculous I've ever received. Um, the, idea, the idea that a left tackle and a corner are higher on the priority list than a quarterback for one is crazy. It, the thing that maybe offended me more than anything was the ground-pounding running back being ahead of the number one wide receiver. Like, that is – what is that? Like, there's – I just I don't understand whatsoever. It is it makes zero sense. So yeah, people that well, he just joined Twitter like in January twenty twenty three. Honestly, it was it was kind of great entertainment. So maybe I shouldn't complain that much about it. But I, for a minute, there was like smoke coming out of my ears, going, "What the fuck?" <laughs> this but, is a no. and I just like uh, if you're on uh, YouTube, I just put like dirt in my eye so i'm like crying <laughs> a little bit crying. Yeah. um well i was crying laughing but i wiped away the tears from crying laughing and created like real actual tears um no elite quarterback like does he i don't i don't get this list because there's no elite quarterback <laughs> no no pass rusher well, no defensive tackle even an option you know just game manager like this guy wants to make sure that you have five yards per reception and two yards per rush. Like that's what he wants on this whole thing. And this is the most ridiculous tweet. Uh, is there another tweet that you have? Um, I do have one more that I'm still confused. Uh, so what they were getting at it's from, it's from that same tweet where I tweeted out my article on Jackson Smith and Chigbo, but Paulcarski.com, by the way, it's echo Adrian, uh, in the comments there, uh, crying emoji, 
To be honest, after what you did to Malik, it's probably best you don't find another quarterback. What did I what did I do to Malik, <laughs> first of all? And even if you're referring to Ya as the as the Titan somehow, um what did they fucking do to Malik besides give him a chance to start some games and then realize he sucked and put a better quarterback in for him? That's your fault. What, what did anybody do to Malik? Nobody did anything to Malik. Well, I'll be honest. You did trash Malik on the uh, Mike Herndon show that I was a part of, and I tried to tell you that it was not his fault that Jeff Swain sucks, but you you, you say that it is his fault. But hey, Jeff Swain looked a lot better when Josh Dobbs came in. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. This Malik Willis uh, conversation, the Titans don't like the current Titans regime from the coaching staff all the way up to the general manager. Do not like Malik Willis as a quarterback. It has nothing to do with him as a person. Um, I know that Titans fans and certain Titans podcasts that are ill, maybe terminally ill, a podcast Titans podcast they don't understand that disliking a quarterback is not the same as disliking a person the person that the quarterback is it's been that way since Marcus the Marcus has has left just a stain on this fan base that cannot be washed up where they people cannot separate the person from the quarterback and Malik Wills is carrying that torch for Marcus and I will say this that Yes, Malik Willis had a less than ideal situation that he walked into. But if you look at what he does, like with a microscope or whatever, like through a toilet paper hold, holder hole or whatever you want to look at, he is I'll, not I'll a good quarterback. A yeah, he is <laughs> not a good quarterback. Like you can watch him miss people because he is not a very good quarterback. And that's okay. And he could be a good person. And when he goes and does great things at whatever church he pastors at, it will be fucking fantastic. And props to him. I'll be so happy for whatever nonprofit organization that he ends up working at. Okay. I, I do think yeah, like the, the whole Malik genre, there, there's, it's a very small subsection, right? Like of the Titans fan base. That is, is it though? Because I feel like it is the same amount of subsection around the market stuff. No, it's smaller. It's smaller. They they might be louder, but they're smaller. I feel like, um, but they're super annoying because look, Marcus for all of his faults, at least showed that he could be like a starting level NFL quarterback at one point. Malik has never shown that you know to this point and hasn't even come close yet. And look I, again, and we've been consistent on this. Nobody's writing him off or saying that his career is done. We're just saying that he has not shown anything that you should be banking on him being a starter at any point down the road. If it happens, it is a pleasant surprise, and that's who, how the Titans should be treating it, and that's how the fans should be treating it. So I, these, these people that freak out every time, you know, you mentioned the Titans looking at a, a quarterback prospect. Of course they're looking at quarterback prospects. If you if you think they should just roll with Malik Willis as a quarterback of the future based on what you've seen, you're insane. And I'm glad you're not running the Titans. Essentially, Malik Willis, his career right now is capped at being a backup quarterback. Does not necessarily mean that his career in the NFL is over. It's just probably not going to be a starting quarterback. And look, 
I said about Malik Willis pre-draft is that you have to change the philosophy of the offense. He's the philosophy changer. You can't put him in this the same thing. So I'm not surprised he didn't succeed. But on top of that, he did himself no favors. He didn't even try to adapt. He didn't try to do anything. So I'm not surprised at that point that if you're going to fail to adapt to your surroundings. And listen, I'm not saying it's for lack of trying. I'm just saying he just can't do it at this point uh, for this particular offense. But he's not going to go to another offense and suddenly fucking light it up. Like, you have to understand that Malik Willis's like lighting it up is probably like 150 yards through the air, a couple touchdowns and like a couple of rush touchdowns and like mop up duty or something. It's not going to ever be a 300, 400 yard passer, which is what the Titans need to be, which takes us to our next point. I know this podcast is going really long, but you know, thank you for bearing with us as we are want to do. We have been talking about how the Titans have kind of been drafting or sorry, been signing players that are known pass blockers over known run blocking. And then on top of that, the guys they are looking at, all the offensive linemen that they're looking at besides two, are better pass blockers over better run blockers. This ties into recently reports from Mike Silver, from other sources, and it keeps on building, that the Titans are trying to move away from Derrick Henry. And they're trying to trade him. And doesn't it kind of make sense that with the offensive line they're building, with the offensive line prospects they're looking at, with the way the Titans are kind of moving away from... San Francisco never had the legit lead running back, right? I mean, they never had a workhorse running back. It's always been running back by committee. Doesn't it make sense that... Guys may need to get Derrick Henry out of there. Like I, I, I feel like he's spending a lot of time in Dallas, which he normally does, but he's spending a lot of public time in Dallas. And I feel like Jerry Jones is looking at Derrick Henry in Dallas at Dallas Mavericks games, which there won't be any more because they didn't even make the fucking playoffs because they suck. Yeah, they're a pitiful team, and uh, they should probably um, move out of Dallas because I wouldn't even want to be a Dallas Mavericks careful, fan. Careful, careful, careful. horrible to be a Dallas Mavericks fan, not a Memphis Grizzlies fan. Careful, anyway, Bama Brad's going to freak out. We're talking basketball. Oh, yeah, Dang sorry, it. sorry. sorry. I got to bring us back. Um, veering back into it. But anyway, Derrick Henry's been there. You know Jerry Jones. Probably gave him those tickets, by the way. Yeah, maybe. I think that Dallas makes a lot of sense on multiple levels. and. I think everybody needs to embrace that I, with Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, and Kevin Byard, something has to give, right? Something. I don't know what it is, and I think Derrick Henry is the likeliest uh, thing to give. I I kind of do too, because I, I think you're right, and whenever you pointed out the, I think you had the list of uh, all of the offensive linemen that the Titans have been linked with. I haven't put it out publicly, just in our chat. Okay, so and they, as soon as they, they put that out, they looked at Anthony Bradford, who is again a better run blocker than pass blocker. Uh, okay, so they kind of but it's up. those two. It's, but it's still it's still Anthony pretty Bradford. overwhelming uh, the numbers. So I do think it looks like they are trying to set the groundwork for becoming more of a passing offense, maybe more of a modern offense. Even some of the comments, you know, regarding Tim Kelly and the transition from. 
downing to Kelly and all that. Like, I think they are laying some groundwork there for a little bit of a, a move in focus for the offense. Now, I'm not saying they're going to become the Chiefs or or anything like that, but a shift back maybe towards the middle. Um, Wouldn't that kind of tie into point. trying to interview Eric Bieniemy and Matt Nagy? Yeah, I think that that and like, what was the word the they were that Vrabel was reportedly fascinated with the Chiefs' offense or or had a lot of interest with the Chiefs. I think it's well, Jeremy let me Fowler let me say this: get a fucking quarterback. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and they're spending a ton of time vetting the quarterbacks in this class and everything like that. So I, I do think, and there's been all the smoke around Derrick Henry and whatnot. I think it would make sense if they could get a decent pick back. Like, and I mentioned this today. I can't help but feel that they're going to end up taking more players in the draft than they have picks right now. Like, I think they're going to find a way to get more picks. And whether that's trading back and getting more picks or trading a veteran for picks, I think they're going to get some more picks and have some more young players to bring in. Because when a new GM comes in, that's usually what you want, right? Like, you kind of phase out the old the old guys and you bring in the new guys that you want and fit what your vision is. Um, and while Vrabel obviously has some say in the vision and probably had some say with Robinson as well, to some level at least, I think that we are going to see a transition and it makes a ton of sense to move off of Henry. Like I know people don't want to hear that um, and that people are emotionally attached to Henry, but Henry is a 30-year-old running back uh, at this point that is – if he's not already in decline, which I think he is, I think he's pretty clearly in decline. Yeah, just real quick, if he went to Dallas like Eddie George, it would be kind of funny. Yeah, it would be kind of funny, right? Like uh, yeah. it's kind of funny. I, I'll say this though, from Dallas standpoint, I don't, it almost doesn't make sense to me from a Dallas standpoint because they have Tony Pollard. Their offense is much much better when they have Tony Pollard in there because Tony Pollard they can got do rid all of the offensive coordinator who loved to use to, who wanted to use Tony Pollard, and now they have Mike oh, McCarthy who, who has vowed to be more of a oh, and Brian Schottenheimer don't you like oh, yeah. Brian Schottenheimer and Derrick Henry and Jerry Jones. My wife just pulled up in the driveway and then she just fucking left. I don't know where she's going. Um, but either way. <laughs> It's just kind of hilarious that this is what you get when you when you sign Brian Schottenheimer, right? You you yeah. get Derrick Henry. I mean, maybe it does make sense. Um, but yeah, but Henry, I mean, like Brian Schottenheimer and Greg Williams would be great as offensive and defensive coordinator here for the Titans. To, yeah, right. Uh, innovative offensive minds. Um, but the uh, yeah, Henry moving Henry does make sense, especially if you can get a pick. Mm -hmm and get a young foundational piece somewhere else. I mean, look, uh, what we've seen over and over and over again, running backs just don't move the needle that much from a, a success standpoint for the team. Because even look at look at the Panthers last year. The Panthers traded away Christian McCaffrey. They got better. They got better as the year went <laughs> on. Uh, Deontay Foreman was excellent for them. They even had Chuba Hubbard putting up, uh, you know, some numbers for them. So, you can find running backs. You can plug them in. Going and getting some value for Derrick Henry, I think, makes a ton of sense. And, and frankly, I do feel like that at times, Brable and uh, the Titans coaching staff has almost used Henry as a crutch. And we've talked about this before again, but I think it's worth mentioning it once more. That 
he's there and you almost feel like you're obligated to use him. You're obligated to get it obligated to get him these touches because he can break those big ones. Well, he didn't break the big ones last year, right? Like those big ones disappeared. And now you're giving a bunch of carries to a guy that's averaging four yards a carry, which is very pedestrian among NFL standards. Um, and it just doesn't, it, it's, you're not getting the returns anymore that you were when he was, you know, going off in 2019 and 2020. Um, so look, the NFL changes fast. I know that's only a few years ago now, but uh, things change fast, especially for running backs. And and I think the Titans moving Henry removed some of that crutch that they used to to be run, run, pass, which everyone well, likes. Is, isn't it the whole complaint has been, well, you, the team is run, run, pass, run, run, pass. They're not modern enough. Well, it's because the best player on their team yeah. The last two years is Derrick Henry, right? Right. So if you don't want to be run, run, pass, and if you want to be a modern offense, you there, there is you can't you can't have both at this point. You cannot have both. This is why with the Cowboys, they have not reached anything of note because they rely too much on Ezekiel Elliott when they should have been giving it to uh Tony Pollard. 90% of the time and letting Dak Prescott pass it. They're, they're not, it, it's just not the way to do it anymore. And it, it sucks because I mean, obviously right here, Alabama football signed by Nick Saban. I am an Alabama fan, obviously with this hat and this podcast, I am a Titans fan, but objectively, unlike McElroy 11, I could take off the two tone glasses. I could take off the crimson glasses and say, that the best thing was for Derrick Henry to actually be traded shortly after Christian McCaffrey got traded. And the best thing now is for him to get traded to pick up draft picks. And, and just, I don't think it's like a, you're tanking. If you get rid of Derrick Henry, you're just getting younger, right? Like you're just getting younger. I want all the wide receivers and we can get into it right now. I want the wide receivers to be young. I want them to grow together. Just, Fuck it. Like, I don't need old-ass wide receivers. I don't need slow-ass wide receivers. I want young wide receivers. I want young running backs. I want a young quarterback, and I want a young tight end to pair with Chick Conquo. I want to get younger because I know that that buys you time to build a team that gets you to the Super Bowl because that's what the Bengals have done, right? I mean, that's what the the Chiefs have done is they they get younger, they don't get older. Right, exactly. And and if you look at where Rand Carthon came from, obviously the Niners, here are their leading rushers each of the last, uh, um, let's see, six years since Kyle Shanahan's been there. Carlos Hyde, uh, Matt Breida, uh, Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, Elijah Mitchell, and then this year it was McCaffrey, obviously. But most of those guys were nobodies. Uh, and they are, have been one of the best rushing offenses in the league each and every year. You do not have to have an elite running back to have a great rushing offense. getting offense. younger is not tanking. No, uh, it's I, not. That, it's, that, that is not honest, the same thing. It's, it's, it's definitely not because the worst thing you can be is old and bad, right? Like, <laughs> And that's where the Titans are headed offensively and where they were last year. I mean, they were old and bad. They had an older running back. They had an older quarterback. They had an older receiver in Robert Woods. They had an older offensive line with Ben Jones and Taylor Lewan and all these guys. They were old and bad, and they, and they are trying to get younger and faster. 
um, and hopefully better. That is obviously the goal. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like, and again, I, I just I don't rather think... get younger. Like I, I get it that there is some value to have like a Marvin Jones or someone like in the locker room to kind of like say, Hey, this is how you should do it. You know, right. really to me and to Vrabel's point, Vrabel, when he showed up in 2017, 2018, uh, he said, I don't really expect the leaders to step up or there to be like define leadership, your leader step up will define how you do things. And really the coaches should be the one defining it. This is how you train. This is what you need to do. Follow this, do it. So, so in my mind, I'm thinking, isn't it better for the Titans to just get younger at this point and then build up a roster that can build cohesion Every year, sure, it's not going to look pretty at the beginning of the year, but that's okay. At least it's fucking exciting, right? Like, I guess that's where I'm at right now. I think I would rather have exciting football than the same old football we've watched the last two seasons. I agree. No, I, I totally agree. And and I don't think it's, again, like, I don't think it's tanking. Um, I think it's just smart team building because, yeah. look, they, they are not – I don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl this year. I don't think they're really a contender this year. I mean, maybe at least make up, it exciting for everybody, right? Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe if you keep all these old guys around, you still hang in there and compete for the AFC South or whatever. But that this is not it's not going to be a good offense to me um, in twenty twenty three. So to me, oh, it's going to be good because I'm going to tell you how it's going to be good. Give me guys oh, yeah. that are going to be here in twenty twenty four and are going to be good in twenty twenty four. Let's start building the foundation for this offense for the next generation of this offense, right? For whatever right. it looks like with the new quarterback, with the new running back, with the new wide receivers, with the Chickaconquo as the focal point of the tight end right. room, with, you know, Dillard or whoever is whoever else ends up on this offensive line long-term. Start focusing on building that group together. Uh, okay, so this is a good jumping-off point to go to our next topic, and this will be real quick. Mortgaging the future. Do you think, Okay, because there's two different ways of looking at how mortgaging the future is. But going up and getting, we've always been, if that's your guy, go get your guy. Because I have people that get in my mentions and say, you can't trade up for a quarterback, you're mortgaging your future. And I say, why is it mortgaging the future? Because you're giving up, what, two players in the first round in the future that are draft picks and maybe another pick, right? So, like, why is that mortgaging? And then, of course, they don't reply. One of them being uh, Paul Karski. Uh, he does. He has failed to reply, and I'm still waiting on his reply from last week. So, I'll let him know. Yeah, please let him know. Why is that mortgaging the future when, really, your future is mortgaged when you don't have a franchise quarterback? And, and while Tannehill could be a quarterback that, wins you a Super Bowl because he is that level of quarterback. He is not a franchise quarterback. So if you're of the opinion that he's not a franchise quarterback, then your future, you are basically living in a $70,000 house that has no running water. So if you really are trying to improve that house, you need to flip it. And part of flipping that is to get the franchise quarterback. So why do you think that trading up for a franchise quarterback necessarily mortgages the future or is it just really the right investment? No, it's it like I do think it is investing in your future, right? Because there is no more valuable asset than a rookie quarterback who is good 
on a rookie deal. Like there is no more valuable asset in the entire NFL. And if you are convicted that in like, this is what we get back to every single time when we talk yep. about this thing is if the Titans are convicted that one of those four guys at the top or five guys, if you want to throw in hooker uh, are, are, that guy that they are that guy they will be a top five top 10 quarterback within their rookie contract go trade whatever it takes to go get them go get them right. like I, I don't care what it is oh but mike there that first round quarterback next year could be a boat i mean could be a boat like that, but that's the thing i mean we, we have no <laughs> idea where they're gonna end up drafting, drafting next year for all we know they could like say they hit on the quarterback or hell say let's say they sit pat and they take jackson smith and jigba and look, Jackson Smith and Jigba oh. turns out to be Justin Jefferson 2.0, right? Oh. And Traylon Burks takes the next step. Ryan Tannehill reverts to 2019 oh, yeah. form, and they go nuts, right? They oh, go 13 yeah. and four. They win the division, Talk dirty and they're drafting 26 next year. I love it. I, I got you a little hot there. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> we went a little X-rated. <laughs> the uh, like you're drafting 26 next year, right? Like. You're not going to get the quarterback then. Like, you're not going to be anywhere now close to the Texans, to if they don't draft a quarterback, right? If the Texans don't draft a quarterback, guess what? They have next year. Two first-round picks. Right, right. So, look, you're, you're going to have to trade up to get a quarterback at some point unless your theory is that the Titans are going to be so bad that they're going to be either the first or second pick next year, right? Like, that's the only way you're going to get a first-round quarterback, like a, a, to a top, top, top prospect without – trading away of multiple draft picks like that's it's just the reality of the situation so if you are against them trading away multiple draft picks to go get a quarterback i just don't understand it because you're gonna have to do it at some point now if your argument is that you don't think any of the quarterbacks in this class are worth it i can i can understand that i can but we also do this thing where like a year from now, like Caleb Williams and Drake may, because like we aren't nitpicking them to death right now and looking at all of their little miniature flaws or Every stats that you fucking know, or, year, you we, have we, to understand that, right? We, like, yeah, we hold them out as like, Oh, look, look, Caleb Williams and Drake may, they're these beautiful, perfect prospects. If we just wait another year, they'll fall right into our laps and we'll have the guy that's the best quarterback of all time. That's just, I mean, and next I like year, all guys. we're talking about is like Caleb Williams has the attitude problem, and then uh, Drake May, he's just too young, he's not really what you need. Yeah, or, he's not or Drake May gets hurt during the season, and all of a sudden, you're like, ah, Is he gonna be durable enough? Is he too skinny? Like, there, there's gonna be something that pops up with one of these guys that we can nitpick to death and, and find a flaw in. So, the idea that you're just gonna that next year it's just going to be a, a treasure trove of flawless quarterback prospects. It's just not true. You're going to have to pick somebody that you're because like last year. Okay. Flawless. So last year we, I think you and I, I think we can say we're a little bit higher on the draft class prospects than most people. Cause we, we were high yes. on Desmond Ritter. We liked Malik Willis. I personally like Sam Howell I like more than Kenny. Yeah. yeah. And, and then everybody last year was like, yeah, but, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, you know, blah, 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 blah. And there was, there was a couple of guys that I don't even remember. Oh, I don't even think they're in. Um, that uh, left-handed guy from uh, Brennan Armstrong. Oh, yeah. Brennan Big Armstrong Hainer was in there. Yeah. And, yeah. All these guys. And now all anybody wants to do is nitpick Bryce Young's size, which, hey, guess what? He was the same fucking size last year when, when everybody was talking about being the number one overall pick. 
CJ Stroud, they're nitpicking him, even though I would say that they're less nitpicking him at this point. He's kind of like the rare guy that moves up. Um, nitpicking Will Levis, they're nitpicking Anthony Richardson, they're nitpicking everybody in this draft class. And guess what? They're going to nitpick everybody next year. Mm-hmm. So at this point, it's almost like you just have to watch. I, I am sorry. And I know I could be extremely wrong. I do not want Will Levis in Titans blue. And and really, I am going to go back to trusting my gut. I'm going to go back to trusting the tape. I'm out on CJ Stratt. And uh, I'm going to go back is, to trust. I'm going to trust yeah, my gut. This is and where I cannot disagree with I know. More. I am Bryce Young or Anthony Richardson, and Anthony Richardson is a newly developed... I mean, obviously, I watching Anthony Richardson this year has developed my opinion of him. I am am saying swing for the fences or go for Bryce Young. Like, that's where I'm at. Like, if if neither of those guys are there, I don't want Hidden Hooker, I don't want C.J. Stroud, and I don't want uh, Will Epps. I know that's an unpopular opinion. I know that sounds crazy. But at some point, you just have to trust the tape. And if you put C.J. Stroud behind in this team, I don't know if he has the other talent like Justin Fields or an Anthony Richardson or Lamar Jackson to overcome and create plays. Oh, I think he's a very different type of quarterback. Yeah, I I don't think he's the same as those guys by any means. I I think... And I think that's where his weakness is, right? Is that he's not a huge playmaker. He's not a big time runner, any of that stuff. Um, However, I think what he does well is he makes plays on time. He gets the ball out quickly. Um, He he gets the ball accurately into the hands of his playmakers and he gets out of the way. Right. And there, that is a way to play quarterback. And look, I'm not comparing him to him, but that is the way Tom Brady dominated this league for years and years was that he was able to operate his offense quickly. He, that's why he never got sacked. Though. That's why his offensive lines always look, always look great because Tom Brady was on time, on time, on time, like every play and would put the ball accurately in the play, hands of his playmakers. So I think there is still a room for a quarterback to win that way in the NFL, even if that's not really the way that a lot of the newer age quarterbacks are, because I, I think, you know, I think Stroud has some mobility, but I don't think he's anywhere near as mobile as Josh Allen or Hurts or even I mean, he might be as mobile as Mahomes, but Mahomes just has that slippery playmaker so ability. Where about does him. it end though that's like you look at CJ Stroud, who was wildly inconsistent besides the Georgia game. Like you're banking on yeah, wildly inconsistent is you don't think he was? You don't think Anthony Richardson was wildly inconsistent? Oh, but he oh, he definitely was, but we're talking about one year starter. Like I know personally, deep down inside, that if I'm going for Anthony Richardson, I'm going for potential. So this is a good conversation. We're gonna skip the uh the little draft position by round thing i want to get into this i'm gonna i'm gonna gonna talk to you through this so on my way from the golf course to here despite what hillbilly Bryn thinks that i'm some jaguars fan i'm just a golfing fan so i was golfing um i had this epiphany okay what if bryce young cj stroud will levis Hendon Hooker, Anthony Richardson, 
are all just basically mirror copies of Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, Lamar Jackson, blah, blah, blah. So here's why I say that. So let me let me make my comparisons real quick. Baker Mayfield, undersized, piss poor attitude. But you take Bryce Young, and he's a better version of Baker Mayfield, who went number one overall, and he's a little bit under, he's way more undersized than Baker Mayfield, but has a fantastic attitude and way more arm talent. And I think he's a better uh, quarterback. So he's Baker Mayfield. He goes number one overall. Isn't CJ Stroud a little bit more like Sam Darnold in terms of he's got the arms, he's like the prototypical quarterback? And you put him on a team and he's going to start seeing ghosts. He's not going to have the wide receivers that he had in Ohio state. They're going to get open and he's going to struggle making decisions. That's kind of what I feel like. Obviously will Levis is Josh Rosen, by the way. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like that's a stretch to, to make those like one-to-one comps across the whole draft class. Um, but I mean, well, like, that's why look, I like not, said like I'm, I'm the, not the, a, the scene ghosts. I'm not a hundred percent sure that Stroud's going to work out. Like I, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure that anybody, any of these guys are going to work out, but I'm more confident in Stroud being a high end quarterback than I am in Richardson or Levis or Hooker. Really? Yes. Yes. So, wait, yes. Wait, were you no, going to no, say, look. were you say young? No, 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 no. I, I think, I think to me, like Stroud and Young have always been kind of like one A, one B for me in some order. And like, I, I almost go back and forth on like by the day as far as like, it's like depends on like the mood you catch me in, which one I'm going to be uh, like more in favor of that day. Today's but, a Stroud day, by the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's Stroud Stroud Wednesdays over here. Um, but. Richardson and I, I've said this before too. I, it's not that I'm totally against Richardson. I just think like if you break down the odds of like what this guy's career is going to be like at the NFL level, Richardson might have like the highest probability of all five of them of being like at some point he's going to be considered the best quarterback in the NFL or like the well, he's going to be a Lamar Jackson MVP, right? Like that's right, kind of like, what I feel like. Like, maybe he has the best odds of that, but I feel like he also has, like, the biggest odds of just, like, outright bust, right? Like, that he is just not good, he can't figure it out, he can't he can't learn to, you know, play from the pocket to, you know, consistent enough degree, he can't be accurate enough. I feel like he has, like, the biggest bust potential, too. So, like, he's the big swing and miss guy to me. Like, he's totally boomer bust. Um, I feel more confident that you're going to have at least an acceptable return on Young and Stroud. Now, like if they want to swing for the fences, I I'm not opposed to Richardson. I would hate to trade up for him though, considering the risk involved. Because yeah, that is one where if you trade up and you give up three first round picks for this guy and he just can't get over 56 complete you know percent completion percentage or whatever for his career. That is a big time setback for the franchise because then you're out of the quarterback sweepstakes for the next couple of years, and you're looking at like 2020, what six before you're able to take another swing at a, a quarterback. So that would be where the concern would be for me in trading up for Richardson. I I think at least if you get Stroud, you're almost guaranteed like a minimum of he's going to be 
I feel like baseline, like another Ryan Tannehill, you know, like he's going to, you're going to be able to have like successful teams if you surround him with good players. Um, I, yeah, I just, I struggle with Richardson, honestly, as, as a trade up candidate at 11, maybe, maybe, you know, I'm fine. You know, let's go, baby. Let's trade up to three for Anthony Richardson. I'm all in, I'm all in on Anthony Richardson. Just fuck it. Just trade up to three for Josh Allen. Um, okay. So speaking of trading up just real quick, I just want your answer. Just real quick. Would you rather give up the, obviously, in both scenarios I'm about to give you, the Titans pick swap from 11 to 1? So would you rather give up two future first-round picks with the possibility of a second or third? Let's say a third in this year's draft class, second in a future draft class, okay? Yeah. Or would you rather give up a first, a in a, one first in the future, but multiple picks in this draft. Which one do you think is actually mortgaging the future more? Mm, I'd probably rather trade the future picks, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I am too. I'm like, just trade them all. Like, fuck them. Yeah, because you don't know where, you're, picks. where those picks are going to be. But also, like, I mean, this team does need some reinforcements. And I think even if you took, you know, if you took your quarterback, you still want to go get like some wide receiver help for him. You want to get an offensive lineman to to kind of plug in there. And look, I mean, it, there's a reason teams discount the value of future picks, and that's because you know you can't use them for a little while. So, um, to me, I'd always rather trade the future picks than. I'm with you. Right now. I the Titans the way they're currently constructed. The reason why it's not mortgaging the future is because the future is now. If you're trading up for a quarterback, the future is now. You need the picks. I would rather get rid of the... Yeah, I'd rather get rid of the first-round picks in future years than get rid of picks in this draft because you're really kind of like cutting off your nose to spite your face if you do it now. Like, if you trade up for this draft pick but give give away a bunch of draft picks in this draft, and I think that is the most unlikely scenario considering on draft history. Okay, so... I'm going to ask you a heat check. Are the Titans going to trade up? I'm going to say no. Okay. I'm going to say yes. But I'm not saying that they're trading up to three. I'm just saying they're trading up. Okay. Quinton Williams gets paid more than Jeffrey Simmons. Yes, 100%. Do we want to base this off APY signing bonus? Oh, we're going to base this off. Not total value? You don't want to do total value? No, because then you're bringing years into play. Like, all right, AP like if he signs a three-year deal or a five-year deal, I could swing it. Okay. I will say yes, but like, it's like not 25. It's like 23. No, yeah, I think it's like a million or so more. All right, we're going to say yes for now, both. I'm keeping, I'm keeping track with the scoreboard here. Dexter Lawrence will get paid more APY. Hmm. I'm gonna do say it, no. Mike. Do it, you I'm don't. gonna say no, but I'm so tempted to go. Over. All right. Um. Okay. Will Bayard be on this team by the start of the 2023 season? Mm. You don't have to say cut or trade. Just saying, will he be on the team? I'm gonna say yes. Okay, I'm gonna say yes as well. Will Derrick Henry? Uh, I'm gonna say no. Damn it. Okay. Will no, Tannehill? 
You were going to say no on that one too? Yeah, yeah. Will Tannehill? Eh, yeah, I'm going to say yes on Tannehill. I'm going to say no on Tannehill. So we only differ on, I think they're going to trade up and Ryan Tannehill is going to be um, gone. So, Which those are kind of related, right? Yeah. You think they're going to trade up for a quarterback? And, and I guess if they did, they could either... But I, I almost I, think, I think you got to start Anthony Richardson. I just think that's the best way. You to just got to throw him out there year just one. No, no training wheels. Yeah. Well, we'll check in next week on these if they haven't uh, been decided. Uh, keep the scoreboard updated. Bluegrass Beverages. Thank you for bear, bearing with us. But Bluegrass Beverages is our sponsor. Uh, Hendersonville, Tennessee. Been around since the 70s. Join the in crowd. They have a great, luxurious, and spacious store go get your liquors over at bluegrass beverages and if you're in east nashville or in nashville in general go over to sinkers in nashville go to uh, a football show on monday's show and thursday's show and get the link and go sign up to join us for the draft show all the proceeds go to uh, a charity that supports kids I cannot remember the name of the charity, but it's something that Braden does where they feed soup to the kids or something, but it goes to charity for the kids. And then you'll get all you can eat, all you can drink. You come hang out with us. And on top of that, join the in crowd because there's going to be special beverage selections that you are going to get in your inbox every week. And on top of that, you are going to be entered into a secret concert coming later. So it's just secret concert coming later. I feel like the draft is next week. I felt like that all week, and I've been told today that is not <laughs> next week. That's how long this offseason feels, but I love this oh, offseason. So Stackingtheinbox.com. Go there today and read about Jaden Reed, who I am just utterly convinced that he is going to be a Tennessee Titan. I just cannot shake it. And we'll talk more about that next week. Go to paulkarski.com and read more sexual fan fiction about Jackson Smith and Jigba by Mike Herndon. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Pay for that little bit of extra for that little secret saucy Jackson Smith and Jigba draft profile. For Mike Herndon at Mike Herndon NFL, I'm Zach Lyons. You can follow me on Twitter at EffortsPod. This has been Football Under the F-Words, and you have just been effed.